We really think European butter from France is the best butter. And our friend, the expert baker and best-selling cookbook author David Leibovitz agrees. Check out our recent episode with David to find out how he cooks with quality butter. And for recipes, tips, and cooking advice, go to tasteeurope.com. I mean, I remember nights when, you know, someone would just bring out a violin and they started playing in the middle of the restaurant, you know, or like, you know, someone would just light up a joint or set off fireworks inside, you know? I mean, it was just like you could do anything you wanted out there. You know, there wasn't social media, like, so like things just happened in the moment. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. The title on Anthony Falco's business card is Global Pizza Consultant. And true to form, Anthony has helped people achieve their dreams of starting pizzerias and perfecting their craft of pizza. In this highly entertaining conversation, Falco shares some of his favorite gigs and talks about his time helping launch and grow the pizza operation at Roberta's, the singular Bushwick pizzeria that inspired the launch of a thousand Neapolitan pizza shops around the globe. Anthony is the author of Pizza Czar, Recipes and Know-How from the World Traveling Pizza Chef, and we talk about translating these big ideas to the home kitchen. It's great catching up with Anthony, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Anthony Falco, welcome to This Is Taste. What is up, man? Oh, not much. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Dude, I'm glad our schedule's lined up to make it happen. Well, I mean, listen, you've traveled to Brazil, Colombia, Kuwait, Panama, Canada, Japan, India, Thailand for pizza jobs. And we'll get into your travels. We'll get into Pizza Czar, which I love. We'll get into the time of founding Roberta's or being on the founding team. The broad question, we're at Pizza Week right now, and I I really want to ask all the folks this week, but why is pizza such a universal food? That's, That's a great question, and I've had a lot of time to think about it. And, you know, I've, I've worked, as you said, in many countries, like 22 countries right now. Um, you know, one of the things I think that makes it a universal food, um, or at least global food. Yeah. Um, we don't know what's going on in the rest of the universe. It's true. You're, you're going there. You're going yeah. a little, yeah. I see where, where this conversation is going to go. Um, but uh, <laughs> is it, it really took the whole world to make pizza. You know what I mean? Like, um Tomatoes come from Mexico. Uh, wheat its origins are somewhere in the eastern eastern Turkey near Syrian border. Um, you know, buffalo mozzarella is like actually comes from water buffalo from India. You know, they didn't migrate to Italy until like the twelfth or thirteenth century, something like that. Um, basil probably originates from Southeast Asia. You know, so, you know, I'm building a margarita pizza now. Yeah. As you, and no, then the only thing that's really native to Italy is uh, olive oil, you know, from from the Mediterranean. So, you know, the whole – and, and because of the separation of, you know, the plants and animals that uh, then would move around the world in the Colombian exchange, you know, this – you don't even – you don't even have a chance to create pizza until – uh, the 15th or 16th century. So it's a modern creation as mm-hmm. well. So it is, mm-hmm. it's, that makes it a global creation, a modern creation. Its base is vegetarian, like, you know, so it's a broad spectrum yeah. there of, of accessibility. And then if you, you know, you talk about like Neapolitan classics, a marinara is vegan. 
Um, so it's, it's, uh, I mean, I was raised vegetarian. Um, so for me, pizza was one of those things where, you know, we could have a party and I would feel normal mm-hmm. eating pizza, you know, what like, were you I, eating at those birthday parties? Uh, with cheese pizza. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Austin, Texas. Yeah. So you yeah. probably had the fast, the chains, right? Uh, some local guys too. We had the chains for sure. There was, um, there was a local chain called Mr. Gaddy's, um, they had really the best ranch, um, the ranch dressing. In oh, my, in my guy, let's, we'll go there. <laughs> Thank in you. My cookbook was, uh, you know, that was a, that was like the starting point. Oh, um, I'm from West Michigan. So ranch, okay. ranch is in my blood. Nice. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then we had, we had the pizza huts and, um, I don't really remember Domino's much as a kid, but I mean, pizza hut was a big deal, but you know, and I, and then I had on my dad's side of the family, um, they were Sicilian. And so I had my great grandmother and my grandmother making food. And one of the things they would make was they called it pizza, mm. but it was like a, like a sheet pan grandma style. Pizza, yeah. Yeah. You know? It truly was the Nona style. Yeah, exactly. Also, you, you have made a great, great, great picture. You painted a picture about the, you know, the, the, the margarita pizza and how it really did come together in the, you know, through all the, the world cuisines coming together. But I think in more of a modern terms, pizza is great because of the economic viability it's 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 a relatively affordable though not always food it's great for catering let's get into like that that, like why is pizza so popular in our modern society yeah i mean i think there was a before the pandemic there was a saying that that pizza is you know recession proof because uh you know when people are like tightening their belts you know they'll still when they splurge to go out or they get something, take out pizza is going to be kind of top of that list. It's, it's unlike something like a burger or, you know, like pasta, you know, you're probably not making pizza at home. You're yeah. probably not fermenting dough for 24, 48 hours. You may not have a pizza peel, you know I mean? It's a specialized thing. So, you know, there's a, there's been a big movement with home pizza making and with the ovens, like mm-hmm. the, you know, all the backyard ovens and the electric <laughs> ones. And the wait lists and, yeah. and, and the flexing. Yeah. <laughs> so much going on there. Yeah. It's just something that is comforting and, and it delivers well, you know, and it's shareable and you don't need forks and knives. I don't know, man. I mean, it's pizza. It's no, great. You're, yeah. you, you painted the great picture. It's, it's really great for catering. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I... St- I'm I'm of the age of the of of someone who, <laughs> who, you know, remembers the beginning of the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, it was like cats and pizza. It's yeah. like a meme too. Yeah, the the cheese pole probably it predated social media. That was like big on the like on the desktop internet. I feel like it by by this time next year, like one in four Americans will be a pizza reviewer as well. Oh, there's that whole <laughs> game. We'll, we'll get into the media. Pizza media is a big business, and yeah. there's some really. We'll get into those guys. Um, let's talk about your consulting. I'm going to dip in and out of that work because it's really fascinating. Sure. Let's talk about what has been the most challenging place where you've traveled to because I know you've got – and you write about in Pizza Czar, your book, about the foundation to make great pizza in many different styles. What's the most challenging place you had to like actually make pizza? Well, I mean I want to – everywhere I go and with all my clients, I want to make the best pizza, you know, there. I'm going to make – you know, to if we're in – Michigan. I want to make the best pizza in Michigan. You know, I mean, it's already there, my my dude. Yeah, <laughs> there's no consultants needed. I, I need Just to dive say. deep. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> you got uh, you got somebody lined up for 24. Hey, maybe. Uh, uh, all right. All yeah. right. All right. Um, 
But, uh, you know, if I'm in, uh, you know, Portugal, you know, I want to make the best pizza in Portugal. So, you know, there's like, there's always that, um, it's hard in the sense that it's like, you, you know, I, it, it, there's a lot of moving components and I want it to be great. But, uh, where it really becomes challenging is, um, you know, we can access everything here in the United States and in New York specifically. I can get flour from Italy. I can get flour from – we produce incredible flour here in the United States. I There's bakeries here that use flour from Canada. You know, there's um, – you know, you can get anything you want. That's it, it, not always the case from a logistical standpoint or even and from an economic standpoint. Yeah. So, so in a place like India, you know, importing anything is going to be very difficult or – Argentina, you know, because of the way the economy worked and, you know, importing anything was going to be really difficult. So then you have to find local. And I'm always looking to try and find of course. things locally. but For like, a lot of reasons. Yeah. But like, you know, in Asia, there's not a big history of wheat, you know, for yeah. bread. Um, and in like Indonesia, you're not growing wheat anywhere. Yeah. And also just getting the right type of of cheese right if, if it's fresh buffalo mozzarella or if it's more of a, a blend it's difficult cheese is yeah cheese is definitely a challenge and there's there's the supply networks you know for especially especially for like what i'm trying to do so like you know there's a global uh pizza network right the first wave of global pizza um was american chain pizza okay yeah. and then the italians in the 80s and we're like, whoa, you know, like, hey, dude, we invented this. Like, let's hmm. let's do our thing. And then you have, you know, the Neapolitan style went global and they have their supply chain. And the Americans, you know, they want to make the same thing everywhere they go. And they have, you know, American flour or they spec it. They have their cheese all comes from, you know, essentially one producer that freezes it, sends it around the world, pepperoni, et cetera, same thing. Um, tomatoes they're sending there. And then the Italians are doing the same thing. They're sending buffalo mozzarella. They're sending, you know, double O flour. They're sending uh, San Marzano tomatoes all around the world. So if you want to do either one of those kind of pizzas. Not as difficult as Not as difficult. Yeah. yeah. But if you want to do like artisanal pizza or you want to do New York style, mm -hmm. you know, in. Uh, Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be challenging. Yeah. Um, especially because like New York style is like very much, you know, depend on high protein flour yeah which is a little harder to come by in some other countries absolutely and, and you've got that you know just the bread like the ovens are a little bit challenging too i'd imagine for new york style yeah i mean the i'd say the pizza master you know and the other electric ovens have really made that that oven side of it easier. interesting you're right because like you know I, I i don't think about it as like the more modern history but yeah pizza master and the electric ovens are just like killer right now yeah i mean who would have thought a swedish company would like <laughs> change the entire pizza game you know are they still sending baker's prides overseas do people want that like classic new york style bread oven i I haven't worked with them overseas. I've mostly worked with the Pizza Masters or some local. Like yeah. in Taiwan, I was making pizza with a local electric oven. There's yeah. a there's an oven called Salva from Spain. Yeah, which I'm starting to work with more. Um, I worked with it in Barcelona. Uh, it's a fantastic I, electric deck oven. Back to my original question: Is there just a location that was like particularly tricky to 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 really work on, like a, a gig that just was challenging? I think in Bangalore. Uh, India, that was probably the most challenging, but, you know, and it was a long time. I mean, it was years mm -hmm. and we started before the pandemic and then we were put on pause because of the pandemic. You know, my first initial testing there, I was trying to use, uh, 
you know, I was trying to test the flowers and there was like a local flower called Maida, which is like used for non-bread. Mm. Very, 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 very low protein. So it was just really hard to 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 get the product to work. And then, you know, I, we were able to get our hands on some double O imported flour, some caputo, and it just, you know, I mean, it was it wasn't going to be reliable. Because mm, it, was, it just, was just hard getting those bags. And we're, you know, the thing with flour and pizza is like, you need a lot of it. It's not like a small amount. You need trucks of it to actually run a, a, a money-making venture, right? Yeah. And and flour is um, perishable. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't, I think your average American cook or home cook has some flour in the back of their cupboard <laughs> from some unspecified date a yeah. long time ago. But like, you know, good flour you know, it has a shelf life. And so when you talk about something that was milled thousands of miles away and then transported, yeah. it can be. Plus so climate, I yeah, too. Eventually found, um, you know, a lot of what I do is is research. And um, I was eventually I found a local flower company in there that just makes incredible products and uh, freshly milled, milled to order, like was, you know, economically viable. And I just absolutely, from there, it was great. We had a, the, mo the Buffalo mozzarella was not a problem. Yeah. No, um, no. You, you can do that with UPS. Yeah. Well, yeah. we used local. Oh, well, of course. You said it was, that's where it started. It started yeah. so there's, in South Asia. That's amazing. And there's a Catholic priest in Bangalore who, in a monastery, makes oh. mozzarella. And they call him Father Cheese. And he <laughs> that's would amazing. deliver it. Um, What's the know, name of your client there? What's the name of the pizzeria? There, it's there's... called Thin Tony's. Oh, right. So his, my client's name is Nithin. Yeah. And yeah. I'm Tony. Go. So thin Tony. It's not because I'm thin, I guess, but um, <laughs> uh, it was, it was, uh, it was just, but it, it was very challenging, but it was also an incredibly, you know, I mean, it was just an incredible experience, you know, to, to work there and to spend that much time yeah. in India and uh, to be able to explore the city a little bit. Let's get into what the job entails as a pizza consultant. Sure. And I know you're not the only one, but you're definitely the most regarded and, and quote unquote famous one. Um, I mean, how are you, how do you work with clients? Like, like do you uh, have like a range of services available? Is it just like you hire me on retainer and I like show up and, and we riff? Like what's, how's it working? Second question is, do you have like a staff? Are you, are you like staffed up? Uh, I mean, it's just me and my wife yeah. and, um, we have, you know, we've, we've incorporated, uh, some other people, uh, like in bigger jobs, but it's really mostly yeah. just it's us. It's a family business, right? Yeah. Um, and it's full service, um, you know, so last night, uh, it was, uh, you know, morning in Australia. And so we were going over the, the kitchen plans, you know, I mean, that's so there's a lot of iterations. They had come here a couple months before we did a four day pizza tour, four States. Oh, it was, that's cool. It was pretty epic. That's cool. Pretty epic. So when we're, when it comes time to talk about, I, yeah. My finger is on the pulse right now for no. We're gonna get for, to for local styles. pizza. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. But but so they hire you and they want to actually taste the best. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we went around to get kind of like not necessarily to be like, oh, I want to do this version of you know, but to be like, let's have, uh, you know, a basis of vocabulary to to talk about what we want to do. You know what I mean? Like, let's say yeah. I liked the you know the look of this place. I liked the chew and the crunch of this place. I liked you know, that oven, you know, and so we were able to go around to so many different styles and, 
you know, we really just dive deep into what they want to do. And then after that, it's been, we've been working a lot on, um, I've been doing a lot of research on, um, product, um, what flowers, what cheese, what tomatoes are in available. Australia yeah. available. Uh-huh. And it's kind of matching up. Let me ask you, do, do they know what they want or are, are they sometimes like, like, listen, like what's the best, like what is the best meaning the best product or the best, you know, we can make the most money on the PL. I mean, or are they just like, I know kind of what I want and you're going to like, we're going to taste through it. Uh, and I, thank you for, you know, um, the kind words about our little consulting business no, we cool. built. Um, but you know, if we've done a good job at it, it's because of picking the clients, you know, and, and it's all about, you know, having someone who really has that, that passion to do a great, uh, project and that they have the experience, you know? So my client in Australia is an operator. They have multiple restaurants. They're pros and working with pros. Then we are able yeah. to move to the next level of, of, okay, now we're diving deep into pizza and then, you know, we're going to be, you know, working from here to there so that when I do arrive, it's like, we are now into the like heavy refining stage, yeah. the pizza theory stage of, you know, how I to love that. And, so they know how to like run a restaurant. They know a PL, they know yes. the costs, yes. they know the, all the mistakes. And now it's like kind of figuring out the the concept. Yeah. You. And and I will occasionally work with an amateur if they just are really just, you know, it's like, look, I'm gonna do this with or without you. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, I'm like I try to talk people out of it, you know? Like, I mean, you charge those amateurs double. Let's just be real. Yeah. You, you ain't charging them the same. Like, it's not worth it. I should. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's rewarding in a different way. But um, it's the restaurant business. It's like the best, worst business. You know, I mean, it's it's very tough to make money. Um, but there's just, there's, there's hardly anything you can do for money that's more rewarding. I mean, when you cook some something for someone that is, you know, speaks to their something nostalgic in them. And they, you know, people spend their birthdays with you, their, their, uh, you know, their anniversaries, they get a date night where they haven't had time alone and, you know, months or whatever, when they have a kid and, you know, they take these special moments of free time and, and their extra money to spend with you. It's like, yeah. you know, I, uh, I had to, you know, I have to get insurance for my car, you know, like, I, that's not a choice. No. Like I have to spend that money. I don't, I'm not happy to fork over that, but you know, I'm and thinking there's no about, there's no memory made. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I don't even remember when I get pulled over. Where's the, <laughs> but I'm thinking already about where I want to eat, you know, um, you know, when my mom comes into town, you know, or like, yes. and where do I want to take people that are my friend? When do I, when am I going to meet up with a friend? Where are we going to meet up? We're going to meet up at a place to eat. And, you know? a, and, and a slice, if you're talking about a slice counter spot, you know, you, you bridge, you know, you're going, you know, to the slice pot be, before a concert, but after work, you're, it's something about that, that energy it doesn't have to be just in New York that just like catching a slice. It's like yeah. iconic. It's like, it's just like living life catching that slice. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, I've, I've, uh, I was in Taiwan, uh, last year or the year before, um, recently, and, uh, there was, there's a slice shop there, um, young guy named Eric and, um, he had, you know, visited the United States and, and he had, uh, I think he, I believe he went to school here and he went back and he's just like, man, there's no good slice shops. Like, let me open a slice shop. And, uh, his place is called slice shop. 
And um, bad for Google, but good for <laughs> branding, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and he does like sourdough slice pizza. And like I was, you know, with my client, we were, she's like, oh, we should check this place out. And I like was peeking my head in the window and um, he saw me and he's like, like, dude, he's like, what are you doing in Taipei? Like, I had no idea where you were here. He had my book. So cool. And uh, we we hung out all day and, you know, like. Oh, cool. He had the coolest thing. He had this like laser uh, set up above his counter so that he, you know, because like one of the big things with the slice shop is you want to have really equal size slices. And he set up like these two lasers so that he could put the pizza under there and then use oh. the laser as a guide. Yeah, totally. What a brilliant idea. Dude, I'd never so the seen lasers, anything like the beams that. Are, so you're just like cutting across the laser Yeah, the beams, beams were coming straight oh. down and across in the on the table. Dude. It was very cool. Link up, Pat, and that. Go to the pizza show. Sell like 10,000. Right? Yeah, dude. Pretty Eric, sick. Yeah. Do you work with private clients, meaning like Bezos is like, yo, Aspen, I need, I need a backyard set up. I need like a full pizzeria in my house. Yes. There's probably 1,000 to 8,000 people in our world who would pay you that. Do you do that? Yeah, yeah, Jeff, call me, bro. Um, Jeff has called you. Yeah, no, 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 no. But I've I've had some I've had some pretty uh, very cool, you know, high profile clients. Um, you know, I was in uh, in Ahmedabad, India. Um, I had some clients fly me there to do like a birthday surprise pizza, like intensive class um, with the birthday boy. They had a you know full size wood oven on in their house. So cool. Um, and they had, <laughs> yeah, not a simple house. Yeah. And they had a New York style deck oven nice. as well. And we went through all these different styles and it was, um, it was all vegetarian, which was cool. Yeah. Um, and they were just the nicest, nicest, nicest people. I stay in touch with them every week. I get a message from the dad, like, uh, like about like, have a great week and you know, fun. This, I mean, just like really great people. So you do a little bit of catering, but do you actually do you fabricate and help people build their like at home pizzeria? I think you know Barbara Streisand has a mall in her basement. Yeah, Michael Michael Jackson had like uh, a water park. I'm sure there's somebody who wants a pizzeria in their house. Yeah, I do. I do that. Um, I did a class this summer, um, and the whole family came out with me, and we all worked the class together. My boys are now old enough to really, um, you know, yeah. be useful. Um, <laughs> and uh, Frank is great front of house and Roman is really, you know, he's good on prep. Um, in El Segundo, uh, we, my, my buddy, Tony Piombo, he and his dad guy, they build, uh, ovens specifically for people's backyards in Napa, California. Mm. Um, and they send the, uh, ovens all over the United States, but they do a lot in California and, and the West coast. And, uh, there's a, a, a company called the concrete, uh, collective kitchen, something like that. I have to keep messing up the name, but yeah. I did a class there and they basically, they do, uh, they do custom backyard kitchens, you know, like where in California you can use it all year round. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I've done a few things where someone buys it and then, you know, I go there and I help them kind of get their, their a game up and, and then roll it into a private party, which is really fun, you know? So it's like, we'll do the prep together, which is like the class part. And then all their friends come over and then we, you know, we, we make the pizzas together. And then that's like the, you know, that's like the final exam, you know? So what a cool, that must've been a cool experience. 
it's fun, you know. I mean, so private classes, I do stuff with some brands, and then uh, that fills in in between the consulting. But the consulting keeps me. I would pretty, imagine you're pretty, on the road a lot. Pretty busy, yeah. I want to pivot to talk about Roberta's. Okay, where you came to work in 2008. Soon after it opened, you weren't there like day one, but you were there very soon. Um, this is a restaurant that arguably changed the entire category in America. This new Neapolitan pizza, and now after we're talking post. 15 years after Roberta's, you can find great neo-Neapolitan in any city. There's where we're, we're, we got a blessing of riches. Let me ask you about those early days of Roberta's. I feel like it's not said enough that it was a slow start at Roberta's. This was not <laughs> something that was like an instant hit. I think back by 2010, there were lines. And by 2015, Roberta's was everywhere. It was in the gr- freezer section, et cetera, which you're a part of. But let's talk about those very early days of Roberta's. Um, I mean, it was... I, like I said, very lucky. I stay in touch with a lot of people I worked with. Um, there met some of the best people in my life. You know, I mean, I had incredible times. Uh, we took it all over the country. We took it around the world. You know, I went to, that was the first time I'd ever been to Brazil was with Roberta's. Uh, first time I'd ever been to Toronto was with Roberta's and ended up working in both of those places quite a bit. Um, and, you know, yes, it was very slow in the beginning. It was just, you know. <laughs> Crazy to think. Yeah, it was it was uh it was a little desolate over there. Bushwick was different. Yeah. I mean it was uh you know, there was there was a very much a neighborhood there. Um there was a history of uh you know, Italian Americans in that neighborhood and there were some old timers there that would come in and they were really excited and then there was, you know, people from living in the lofts and then people living in the houses all around there and um but as far as like getting on the train to come out there, that did not happen at first. Yeah. Um, but it was like, I mean, I remember nights when, you know, someone would just bring out a, like a violin and they started playing in the middle of the restaurant, you know, or like, you know, someone would just light up a joint, you know, yeah. <laughs> and the rest like just, or set off fireworks inside, you know, I mean, it was just like, you could do anything you wanted out there. It did. It wasn't like today when, you know, there wasn't social media, like per se, really, there was you know, I guess there was blogs, but there was no Instagram. Mm-hmm. So like things just happened in the moment. Definitely. And like media covered it and people read it. It wasn't like an instant media. Was there an early journalist who, who picked up on what I think it doing? was in 25 and under. That was an old column in the New York Times. And that's when it really, yeah. you know, that's when it took off. But it was about, it was almost a year into that when, uh, you know, it was, it was really just people from around the neighborhood, friends, you know, you know, a lot of us were ex bartenders. And so, you know, when you're a bartender, you know, in New York, you've got to have, you got to hustle and get people to come. You got to have a lot of friends, acquaintances. So, you know, we would get people to come in and hang out and, um, you know, it was just, and then it just, it grew. It went from just the garage to the backyard, to the radio station, to the parties in the backyard, to the Bushwick block party, which I had a lot to do with, which was really, really fun. Um, there's some great video of that. Great times. On the internet. <laughs> I love I love that time, that period of Brooklyn in the early 2010s when before um, the Tesla dealerships arrived um, and the German tourists. I feel like it was a time when there was real, like it was real artist living, you know, expensive. It was still New York, but it's, it was, you could definitely like live there and, and have like an artist creative job. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I mean, I think that's, like, the story of New York, you know? There's always sure. some part of the where it's like, oh, you should have been here 10 years ago, you know? And it, it was it was really funny towards my the end of my time at Roberta's when, um, you know, someone who'd only been there for, like, a couple years, you know, when I was, like, almost, almost like, seven, almost eight years in, and, um, 
you know, you would hear someone be like, oh, yeah, you weren't, you weren't here when the, you know, and I'm like, bro, you barely just got here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's always like uh, always a push and pull from the old and new generation. Yeah, but it was it was uh, it was great, you know, and I think like going, you know, doing a lot of, uh, you know, representing the pizza brand being like, you know, someone who took it on the road, like took it to Austin, mm-hmm. my hometown to do South by Southwest. Um you know, to take it on the road and to introduce people to that brand really kind of prepared me for, you know, what I do now. And, you know, for that time, I was trying to create the same thing everywhere we went. And now I'm trying to always do something different everywhere I go. Let me ask you, Anthony, about when you were early days of Roberta's, what, let's talk about the pizza. Like, what was the, what made the pizza so unique, so, so important in in food media but also for new yorkers like what what caused us to to wait in those lines and and have those drinks and be kind of tanked by the time we actually were able to eat the pizza which was kind of the joy of going to roberta's you had like four glasses of rosé and you're like oh shit i gotta eat now yeah but but let's talk about the pizza that you're making i mean it really started with just like uh, this i what i think is you know still just a great philosophy of like we're gonna use the best ingredients whether that means local or imported you know there's we're not going to really we're not going to say you know what we're going to do we're just going to do it you know um is that carlo doing that is that you doing that who's i mean for me i didn't you know i worked with uh chris and brandon on the pizza side yeah um carlo did his own thing you know and that food just got better and better oh yeah for sure um and but it was it was physically separate and it was you know kind of separate departments so you know um but, uh, you know, I mean, I think it was a lot of Chris's vision. Um, he was a real like genius in, in a lot of like spotting the trend ahead of the curve. Um, and just like using great producers like Be Lazy and then Patrick from Heritage Foods being next door and using his products and then, um, you know, using, uh, like local flour, but doing it in that Italian oven. And then, you know, having people from Italy involved in the very beginning who, you know, Mauro and, and like his kind of tutelage of, you know, like, uh, like, okay, I guess we'll do this, but it's, you know, just so you know, this is, uh, totally we're breaking all the rules here. And, you know, it was just, it was this idea that we can use, you can use Neapolitan pizza as a, as a, like a format, a structure, but it's not like we're not trying to do exactly what they do in Naples. In Naples, you know, and, and and it's you hit it on the head. It, it is exactly why we love American style Neapolitan. It's an expression of new American cuisine. You mentioned Patrick Martins, who I think is such a link between so many of these early Brooklyn restaurants and bringing in incredible products. I love that you mentioned his name. And pizza is a great format to express creativity, which you and your team did. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, Alice Waters and, you know, Paul Bertoli and um, Chris Bianco. And, you know, I mean, the whole idea with that, I mean, it's not new what was happening, right? The whole idea was like, you know, you great olive oil, great salt, good products, you know, and yeah. uh, try not to overthink it, you know, yeah. and and like, you know, just try to have a relationship with the seasons. But at the same time, you know, I mean, like, there's no sign outside that says everything comes within a hundred miles. And, yeah. you know, like it's, I would love, I would love hearing like someone who's like, was 
you know, taking their parents there who are like lived at the loft across the street or something. And they're like, you know, they grow all their own vegetables on the roof. And oh it's my like, goodness. bro, do you know the size of the roof we would need? Yeah. It's, it's really funny when people but, get into that. Tra- that's a trap. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and it was just, there was this, there was no eyeballs on it in the very beginning. And I think that was also really special. So do you still eat at Roberta's in Brooklyn or LA or the other cities that Roberta's is in? Um, no. Yeah. No. Does that make you sad? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll look on Resi, see if there's anything. I love it. I thank you for sharing about Roberta's. I thank you for sharing about Roberta's. I, I, I couldn't let it pass because you're a big part of that brand and making it work. Let's pivot. This is the part of the, 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 the interview, the portion of the program where we, you and I talk about regional pizza styles. Um, because Anthony, you have traveled, you know, what's going on. We're going to start with my beloved Midwest. I'm just going to ask you straight up. This is, we're going here. Hmm. Detroit Pan versus Chicago Tavern. Wow. Um, man, I have, so, I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts about Midwest pizza culture, but not a lot of experience. So. Fair. <laughs> and thank you for being honest. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go to let's please go to Detroit, you and I. Let's, yeah, let's okay. Go. So like the a big thing that informs everything that I do, um, you know, is, is history. Like I, if I'm not working on a project or reading about something that is specific to what I'm working on, I'm reading nonfiction history. Um, that's, I'm listening to history podcasts. That's what I'm mostly into. When I'm going to a new country, I dive deep on their Wikipedia or try to find history books about that specific country. So I have some you know, reference and and understanding of the cultural signpost as I pull in. Um, so when I think of Detroit style pizza, I think of it in the context of, you know, global pizza history, right? So um, I remember trying to explain Detroit style pizza to a te- a room full of Brazilians uh, and Italians. So this was my partners in Brazil. And we have a, a chain of pizzerias called Braz Electrica. And then they, we, the, the like sister company, the, the original pizzeria is called Braz. And they do traditional Brazilian pizza. Now, just like we have New York style pizza, you know, they have Sao Paulo has, you know, Palestano style pizza. And they have a hundred year old tradition. Wow. And that's amazing. Holy cow. They call themselves the pizza capital of the world. Um, Respect. They are, and they have a strong case for that. Um, and their pizza culture is actually quite a bit closer to, you know, true Neapolitan pizza than, than New York style, which they do not understand. And so when I was, we were talking about pizza trends and I was talking about, yes, New York is becoming more represented globally. Um, also look out for, you know, this was a few years ago. I was like, look out for Detroit style pizza coming. And this Italian guy was like, well, how big is the, the the crust. And I was like, well, it's like, it's about two inches thick. He's like, no, but on like the edge, like the, mm. the, the cornicione, the crust. I was like, well, it's the same. All the-. He's like, no, but I mean like not the, the, the outside, the middle. And I'm like, it's the same all the way through. Like, I'm like, what are you? And he's like, he's like, what are you in? Like we, he's like, is it a language thing? And I'm just like, we're starting to yell at each other. And I, finally I like, I draw like a diagram and yeah. he's like, oh, it's not pizza. It's oh. focaccia. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that is a distinction that is serious, you know, like, and I did a Detroit style pizza concept in Barcelona and we had a lot of Italians on staff, you know, and I would put it in front of them and be like, they would be looking at me like, what is happening? What is this shit? Yeah, exactly. 
And I would be like, look, this is, you know, this isn't pizza. I know it's not pizza. All right. It's focaccia with pizza toppings. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. With a little bit of frico in there, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Add the frico crust, too. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, you just, if you paint it that way, but like words have meaning, you know, in, especially in Italy. <laughs> um, so like when I think of Detroit style pizza, I think of it as in the context of in, in American pizza world, anything that has sauce and cheese on it can be pizza. You know, we have pizza bagels, we have like mm. pizza sushi, <laughs> like uh. <laughs> anything can be sushi, where anything can be pizza. Yeah. You know, like this is America. <laughs> um, so when I think of Detroit style pizza, I think of it in the context of that, okay, it's uh, it's very much, you know, part of our open-minded pizza culture. And it is part of the American tradition of uh, regional Italians immigrants coming here and then saying, look, you guys like this thing from our culture, but I don't know anything about it because we're from Sicily. You know, we've never heard the word pizza before. Like my great grandparents, they had never heard the word pizza. They, the thing that they made that they gave us that they called pizza, they called it faccia di vecchia, yeah. you know, or sfincione. Um, so Detroit style pizza is essentially in post-war America, everyone wants pizza. It would be like the equivalent of like birria today. And so, like, great example. I love that example. That's that's modern. Yeah, yeah. Yuri is experiencing a similar thing. And like, you maybe you're from you know like uh, you know a different part. Maybe you're from Mexico City, which didn't really have birria tradition. And you're like, well, I'm just you know whatever. I'm trying to make money. I'll yeah. It's what's what's on the internet. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's what Detroit is. You have Sicilians. They're like, okay, uh, people want pizza. We'll make. I'll make you pizza. I know how to make pizza, and they make what they their tradition, which is like, you know, either sfincione or or something like that. So it's it's a good uh, way to dodge the question. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, anyways, let's head east. I wanna I wanna ask you, just looking at the east coast, like the the east the, the the seaboard. Is there a region on the east coast that has pizza that we are ignoring that we maybe don't think about as being great pizza? Well, you're not gonna like this answer either. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you do have a consulting business. You don't want to offend anyone. You, you're a global. No, no, I, I just think there's like this desire amongst, um, you know, pizza people who write about pizza or people who review pizza to like discover something that's not there. I know. Um, I know it's a bad instinct, but, um, you know, I think that it, it's, you know, I mean, I think we're, we're aware of what we have, what we have is great. You know, I mean, in, in this region here, you know, you have New York style, um, and and I would I would start that with the first wave, yep. you know, of like Titanos, yep, which I went to recently, which ha- is holding up incredibly. What about Lombardi's? Do you package that in there? I too? wouldn't I wouldn't consider I wouldn't put Lombardi's in the conversation. Great, uh, agree. Um, it's a, agree fully. Yeah, it's, it's a brand the, that was revived tourists. and then you know basically invented on the spot. It's in for the, the tourists. Nineties, yeah, um, and. But, you know, uh, like I think I would put Juliana's in there, you know, yeah, which yeah. is tangentially connected. It's like a cousin. It's in Dumbo. Sure, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, Patsy's is in that, you know, first wave. So those those I would consider, you know, but it's New York is just it's it. the problem with anything historical in New York is that we're only seeing what's left. Yeah. You know, there's everything has been churned so much. So so many places have closed. John's Bleecker. There you go. That's a, yeah. that's a first wave yeah um lmb then, uh mm, no you know i don't I, middle, that, middle. Would, that would be i guess like that 
So I'm I'm like pre-slice culture. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm talking about like that, like we're talking first wave, like, you mm-hmm. know, and then is you in if we look at that as like things kind of shoot off of that, right? So then you have in uh um New Haven, you know, their their first wave kind of stuck around a little more because it's not New York City. It wasn't, it didn't get, you know, it wasn't like a constant change and you know, it kind of immigrants came, they moved there. There was like, mm-hmm. what was what did they do in New Haven? It was like gun manufacturing. Like there was like I mean, up in like Norwalk, of, there's like a lot of shipbuilding. Shipbuilding, yeah, World exactly. War II, yeah. But then it was like the industrialization kind of slowed. And then, you know, I mean it's like trapped in time, right? Yeah. And then you have Trenton, um, the tomato pies. You know, mm. I think De Lorenzo's is amazing. Um a lot of them moved to like Robbinsville, you know, like yeah. your old, like original Trenton downtown is like not, I don't think is much of a thing. Not quite yet. What about mustard pie? I just, I, yeah, it's, you know, it's more like a micro. I only have theme. so much room in my stomach. Yeah, it's you know? a micro theme there. <laughs> yeah, Shout exactly. out to Jason Diamond. He's a big mustard pie fan. Sure. It's, it's great. I'm yeah. sure it's awesome. I, I have put mustard on a pizza. I did like a Cuban pizza. It was, hmm. it was good. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You know, for a stunt pizza. Um, so, you know, those are the things that I think like. That I find really interesting to me because it's also like kind of you're looking back into like, well, what was what was like Neapolitan pizza like, you know, because this is there's a direct connection to the original Neapolitan immigrants, you know, and, you know, what was it was like a lot of these were like bakeries. You know yeah. that that sold pizza because it became popular, which is the Baker's Pride connection. A bakery bread oven is why is it connected to New York thought, style? Was it, it like when I think of Baker's Pride ovens? Um, it was Frank Mastro, right? You know who invented the gas oven. Yeah. I think of that as kind of like the way I think of like uh, Rockbox or Uni. Interesting. You know? It was like a guy, it was like who, a brand. The guy had an idea to, and he's like, "Hey, you got this giant oven that takes up like half of your restaurant. Like, I have this, you know, new wave, newfangled, tiny box that can fit." Yeah, let's sidebar on that sometime. I feel it's a cool like let's let's I'm yeah. Sure about I, I mean, and, and what really the interesting thing there is then it changes the the dough, right? Yeah. So because without any radiant heat to get color on the dough, then you start having to add sugar and you start having to add diastatic malt powder or. You know, milk powder, which crystallizes like, the New York City slice for some. For some, because when you, yeah, I mean, that's what that sugar, that yep. you know, the malt, both of those things kind of give it that unique, you know, flavor and texture. Because it's in a dark oven, it's in this like gas oven with mm-hmm. no. But now you have with the electric ovens, you you have the radiant heat back again. Yeah. So and and, and you're getting a very different style of service you're getting a different like speed is different right yeah and then to go back to roberta's is like you know what the oven is the the number one determining factor of like what makes a pizza a pizza and because i mean you take the same dough and you put it in multiple ovens it's going to come out very differently very much um so i think what that was just the people falling in love with like a wood-fired oven you know Really, and that was like, I mean, and personally for me, I could cook in a wood-fired oven for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. Like, I think it's just, it's magical. Yeah, I mean, just getting to the right temperature, just the building of the fire is something that is very cathartic, I'm sure. It's it's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a better word. It's actually cool. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's cool very to cool. cook with wood. And it's like, you know, from a, from an operator perspective, it's like, it's like a, well, I've never driven a Lamborghini, but I use this reference all the time, but... Um, it's like a manual transmission sports car, like Lamborghini. I mean, like if you want to go fast and you know what you're doing, 
you are going to be in for a treat. Yeah. But if you're like, you know, running errands or, you know, whatever, like the electric ovens are more like a Tesla. You know, it's great. Yeah. It gets you where you need to go. But, you know, it's not super sexy and anyone can use it. But we as a culture, we love Neapolitan pie because of that leoparding of the crust. We love the speed of it. We love this these amazing vessels that are in these in these restaurants with yeah. like initials on them with art on them. Yeah. And the smell when you walk into people like food writers often talk about like, Oh, the smoky flavor of the, well, there's no actual smoke. Absolutely. Correction. In, in You've the set the record straight. Bad trope to say something tastes smoky. It's yeah. Not fucking tasty. I mean, you know how barbecue works. Yeah, exactly. It, it takes, like takes 18 20, hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and at low temperature where there is a higher amount of particulate matter, which is going to actually bind to the fats, you know, where none of that is happening. In a pizza oven. It's no. 60 seconds, 90 seconds. Uh, but it's, we, we, it's, we have our smells and those inform our taste. And the smell binds to your, you know, taste buds and and then you're, you know, you're getting this. But that is, I mean, I remember leaving work um, and smelling like a campfire and just thinking it was awesome. It was like, I was yeah. like, this is like, this cologne is great. Okay, let's just go there. Favorite NYC slice. Let's go. Or we can podium it or we can Mount Rushmore it. <laughs> that's really that's that's uh that's a difficult question. I wanna ask you what your favorite New York slice is because I feel like it's You wanna riff? Let's yeah, riff. Yeah. I wanna hear yours first. I'll tell you two. Okay. Two come to mind. Okay. It's not about me, it's about you. Um F and F. Okay. Love love the dough. Love love what they do there. I love the Franks. I love the Franks. And then uh L and B. Okay. I've I said on record, people know me. So okay. LMB just because I think it's just a complete package. The sauce, the way, the texture, the the artistry. Well, it's not really artistry, but the pageantry yeah. of going there in Brooklyn. And I just love I love that sauce. That's okay. me. You. Okay. Anthony, step it up. Uh I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the the pizza nerds right now who really follow fermentation, all this at Lindustria is yep. like you know. They've got to be in the conversation for number one. Um, but I think for, you know, in the last few pizza tours that I've done, the ones that have stand, stood out to me is uh, Manos in Ridgewood. Mm. It's a new kind Never of- Never heard of it. One-man operation. Wow. Nicholas Manapella. And he is a just- living his pizza dream and he's doing, he's making every pie and it is a just awesome, awesome, you know, we went, I took a tour and we stopped there at our first stop and everyone was like, what is this place? I've never heard of it. And it's, he deserves recognition. So smart to lead strong. Everyone knows lead strong. Good. Job. Yeah. And then, uh, we did, yep. you know, I've, I've only gone a couple times now and I, both times I just was blown away. Love those. And I'm going to say my third is a client of yours. So credit to you, Anthony, is is, is definitely um, upside. Well, I would always put them number one, but then I felt like I'd, I'd kind of like, you know, like. These aren't clients of yours, the other <laughs> yeah, two. Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I, I love I, I try not to recommend clients first, but I mean, upside has to be in the conversation. Yeah. Um, Noam is like one of my favorite clients. I, you know, I just saw him the other day. He's, you know, I, I always stop in, see him when I'm in town. Um. Yeah, Noam Grossman's going to be on the show later this week, and um, Upside is definitely my favorite slice in New York. Um, I think FNF for me, just as a full pie, and just like the way they're doing toppings, is probably really, really, really close as well. Their ingredients that exactly. they use, it's really hard to to you know. I mean, if that is part of your equation, yeah. FNF has to be in the conversation. Incredible ingredients. Yep. Um, you know, I think uh, Lucia Avenue X which now they're on yep. Canal Street, so you don't have to go to Avenue X anymore. Yep. Really great classic slice. I mean, you know, I'm always 
been a fan of Scar and what he does with uh, Flower and all that. And um, I just went to the new one for the first time recently. Um, but when his Sicilian is on point, it's, uh, it's you know, it's probably one of the best. I agree. I love the Sicilian there. I also love the Sicilian at, uh, at F&F too. I can't mm-hmm. forget to shout that out. They're, they're just a bread there. But I think what, what Upside and what Scars has done has obviously linked youth culture, street culture, a little bit of hip hop, a little bit of New York City downtown culture. And that's a big part of when we think about pizza. It's about entering the shop, having a moment, having an experience. I think those two, you really got to give them credit. I mean, it's like you can't separate, you know, New York City from pizza. Yep. You know, and uh, like you, the when was the last time you watched uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two? Oh, shit. the secret of the ooze. <laughs> I need to. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, do yourself a favor. Been a minute, huh? Do yourself a favor. Bring that one up for the holidays. Uh, the f- opening sequence is. I'm just so happy that someone captured this in film, um, because it is the most awesome like film sequence of just like, it's like a montage of every, of like, you know, like an eighties, uh, nineties, New York's montage of people walking. Down oh the my street. God. It's that. But then it gets more and more ridiculous where everyone is eating pizza everywhere. Like rich people in limousines, like people in a horse carriage going through central park. Like everyone's just like you, like there's like a, a traffic light and like every single person on the corner is eating a slice. Of I pizza. love it. And you know, I mean, it's like it, it's making a statement. I mean, you know, Home Alone 2 also. Baby Boom 2. I got to shout out the opening sequence of Baby Boom is pretty fucking epic too. 1987 film. Baby Boom. Yeah. Oh, uh, what is Baby Boom? Baby Boom is um, Diane Keaton. Oh, where she goes upstate? She she starts a, a boutique jam company yes, upstate. Yes, Baby Food upstate. Or Baby Food. Yeah. Right, good okay. correction. Yeah. Is a there baby. a pizza sequence in that? There's definitely a slice in the opening montage. Absolutely check it out. Okay, this is it's going. Not like, it's not like Lost in New York. It's not like that, but it definitely has. That is a good movie. Yeah, that's a good call. It's good. I, I have not seen that. My wife is gonna. She's, it's it's really it really holds up. Um, man, we 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 could go in New York. I want to have you back. We're gonna do this. This has just been such a a delight to have you. What surprises you about pizza? Uh, I mean, when someone is you know doing it um, on such a level that it it surprises me how uh, much more I have to learn. You know, you know when you have a slice of pizza and you're just like. Like how they, a lot of places I go and I'm like, okay, I know what they're doing here. Yeah. There's some places when you go and you're just like, oh, wow. Like I, I need to, I need to go back. Is it like set up at the restaurant? Is it like the oven placement? Is it, you know, put doing something new with pineapple? I I don't know. Like what, just get some details. It's fermentation, you know? I mean, like that's the hard part is the dough, um, you know, which is. uh, Cool, cool. I think I was listening to your podcast you did with uh, Maurizio and, you know, his website. I mean, it's just endless and it takes that kind of mind to really get deep into that like bread fermentation. It's just, it's crazy. And then, you know, for me, like doing all these different styles, like, you know, starting in in Neapolitan, Neo-Neapolitan and then going into New York and then Sicilian and then doing like Roman, it's like... It's challenging, you know? I mean, I think that's what surprises me is just how, like, little I've actually, uh, like, mastered at this point. Yeah. You know? I love that. You're humble. I appreciate that. And and thank you for shouting out Mauricio Leo, uh, The Perfect Loaf. And we're actually working on a trip for October, November 
um, to Puglia, Naples, and we're gonna hit some pizza. Nice. I'm I'm doing a trip too. I'm I'll, I should probably you plug do modern that. adventure. I saw yeah. That. I'm yeah, doing we, a modern adventures to Rome and Sicily. Yeah, I love that. You do modern adventure. We do ATA similar okay. culinary trips. They're really fun. Tell me about yours. Um, we are gonna go to Rome, which is. Uh, and I'm going actually in February with my family to do a little uh, yeah. scouting. Um, yeah. Rome is just one of my you know favorite cities because again I'm a history nerd, um, so the, it's just like I geek out on mm-hmm. the history side of it. And then it's just a great restaurant city for Italy. Yeah. You know, Italy is not always a great restaurant culture. I think the real soul of Italian food is in the home, like Casalinga, like housewife, mm-hmm. you know, people cooking at home. Uh, but Rome has great restaurants. Yeah, it's a great restaurant city. I mean, I mean, I went to uh, Bonchi in, in, uh, in Chicago. Okay. It's really good. I was, nice. Uh, I haven't been back to Rome in a few years, though. Uh, do you have, like, three spots in Rome that you like to go for pizza? Yeah, I mean, definitely Roccioli, the the yeah. porno, um, and get the, the, the pizza al pala. It's Awesome. Get a Mortaza. It's yeah. g- fucking great. Um, perfect breakfast. Um, 180 Grammy mm-hmm. uh, in Chinticelli, uh, a little outside of town. Very cool. I would call it like it's basically like the Roberta's of Roman pizza. You know, it's it's like outside of town. Um, it's more like, uh, you know, locals. And they're breaking the rules and doing fun stuff, but they're referencing Roman cuisine and, you know, like just awesome stuff. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, Bonchi. Pizarium, yeah. Yeah, Pizarium, for sure. For sure. You got to. Have you been to 50 Calo in Naples? No, I have not been to Naples since I started making pizza. It's been 20-something years since I've been in oh Naples. Oh, my God. Magazine editors listen to this. Book this story. Yeah. This needs to be, like, in print. You going to Naples, like, like uh, it's it pitch the story writers do this come meet me in february because i'm coming i'm we're taking the kids uh, for midwinter break and we're gonna go to rome and then we're gonna take the train to naples and we're gonna do like two or three days in naples um and i worked on a project in hong kong with a chef from naples roberta is her name actually cool um and she's an incredible pizza chef so they are gonna get all the inside wrecks from from the locals and i'm super excited about it a fun trip and speaking of travel, I was randomly, coincidentally, I was in Phoenix this past weekend, and I went to Bianco. Great. Uh, yeah, and I really wanted to go there to try Chris Bianco's pizza, and I think it's excellent. It's it's amazing pizza. I would not wait in line three hours for it, because I wouldn't wait in line three hours for anything. But I wonder, my thought is this, um, it's a great pizza, like, hands down. I have to say, we mentioned some pizzerias in New York it's kind of on the level of a lot of places I try in New York and places I've had in honestly in like Detroit, even in Chicago. We're talking about Neo Neapolitan, of course, not 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 what not the other types. But what's your take on on Chris Bianco, what it's meant, and maybe this idea that, you know, there's just great pizza everywhere. We don't need to go to Phoenix but to get the pizza. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a story that is essentially, you know, um, number one pizza in America is in Phoenix. It's a really, like, it's a man-by-dog story, right? <laughs> it's like, do you know where to get the best pizza in America? In Phoenix, Arizona. It's 130 degrees yeah. inside and out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's, it didn't happen for no reason. Um, and I think his philosophy, we talked about a lot 
you know, in the early days and it's informed my philosophy, the idea of using, you know, he talks about his pistachio pizza and he's like, I got pistachios everywhere. So I'm going to make a pistachio pizza. You know, it's like he's in the desert and it's like, there's great wheat. There's incredible wheat growing there. So he's using locally, you know, the wheat from around the region. And, um, you know, it's, and he's cooking that wood fired pizza, but at a lower temperature. I mean, it's, it's like, he is so, like responsible for so many of what, you know, my generation of pizza makers are doing. And he's, you know, like we all look up to him and his, you know, every, like, I love listening to him talk. It's like, he's, he's a great guy and he's been very supportive of me. And, um, you know, he's just, he's just a really great guy. Absolutely. And, and I, I can't wait to have him on the show. I'll, he's not going to be on pizza week, but we'll definitely have him on the show. And I, I agree. It, it was a great narrative for a lot of people, beard voters, for journalists and m- amazing that he was able to create this, this ecosystem and get on Netflix, all that stuff. Yeah. And I just think the the truth of the matter is, is when you talk about like the best pizza in the world or the best pizza in America, I mean, the top you know, 50 are going to be, it's, it's, it's subjective at that yeah. point. You know I mean? It's like you, you could talk about a place objectively using high quality ingredients. You know I mean? A lot of the pizza, if, you know, if I go outside of this door, you know, there's going to be four or five pizza places. Hmm. Well, I work here, I would say maybe two. <laughs> yeah. But there's a good amount of them that are using flour that's illegal in Brazil or illegal in Europe or China. Or, yeah. You know, we like, so they don't, they don't even count for me. I mean, it just, yeah. you have to be into all these places that we talked about earlier are using great ingredients. And then like, that's, that's, and Chris is one of the guys who really was like, look, I know it's just pizza, but like, let's treat it with some respect and use great ingredients, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Well said. I'm going to have to wrap this up because uh, honestly, we're going to do a part two. We'll have you back. Sweet. I want to talk about your pizza czar, your book. Okay. But briefly, are you going to work on another book? Because I really love this book and I, I want to make, I'm going to link to in the show notes. You got to check out this book. It has a lot of color. You're a great illustrator too, which we'll, we'll talk about in part two later on next year. Um, do you want to do another book? Yeah, I, I, I do. I'm work actually was last night was working on my, I've been working on uh, two book pitches. Cool. Um, great. One of them is going to be more broadly Italian American. There's going to be obviously a big pizza section in there. I don't in pizzas are really have, um, what I would call like an actual New York style pizza recipe. And that's something that I've been working on a lot lately. So that's going to be like kind of the lead, um, uh, recipe, but it's going to be a lot more pasta. Um, I'm going to, I was writing uh, a whole like kind of treaties on chicken parms and well, Parm, the parm, world of parms. Yeah. Like, so did you know, for instance, that like, I mean, if you go to Italy, the only real Parmigiana is eggplant. A hundred percent. Right. We've gone over this okay. on the show. I can't right. remember which so guess, you know, but yeah. So you know that. Absolutely. But did you know that if you go to Buenos Aires or you go to Sao Paulo, they have a huge Parmigiana culture, but it's with beef. Yes. Yeah. So they have the filet Parmigiana and it's, they go crazy for it. And that chicken Parmesan is a uniquely American Completely thing. Italian American dish. And yeah. we have chicken obviously out of everywhere. So we love chicken. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of break that down and then how it all kind of then also goes back to like cotoletta and schnitzel. And yeah. then you, that's where chicken fried steak comes in. And then how do you, what happens when you chicken fried steak and tonkatsu? My friend, and, you've got a cutlet book in you. Yeah. And I feel. There's just going to be a big it, cutlet it, chapter. It's a cutlet Cutlet universe for you. I love it. I love your writing. And I, I hope to read more of your books and have you back on and talk about them. Yeah. 
And then I want to do another book that's more of a history book, an amateur historian book called The History of the World Through Pizza, where I start in Gobekli mm. Tepe and talk about uh, wheat and how it basically, you know, what came first, like, you know, human civilization or, you know, agriculture and how there's actually a big debate. There. That's like the, 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 the lean back Kindle book that you're, yeah, that you're, that you're exactly. Which, you know, who knows if someone will actually pay me to do that book, but hey, I, I think about it a lot. <laughs> Editors are listening to the show. We have plenty of industry people. So yeah, it sounds, sounds really unique. Um, and then also before I get to the final section, you're doing a muffalata pop-up, which is not pizza. Yeah. You're down with muffalata, famous New Orleans uh, dish. Why, why are you interested in muffaladas? So all the Falcos um, and Salvados and Cangelosis and all the, the, the in my family that came to America, they, uh, they came through New Orleans. And so that is the most famous... Uh, there was no, there's not a historical pizza culture in New Orleans because they were Sicilians. They didn't really know what pizza was, um, but they did. Um, they did start restaurants and they started things like Progresso Foods. Um, some of them became jazz musicians, yeah. but some of them started uh, a sandwich called muffaletta. Now, muffaletta in Sicily is just the name of the bread. And mm -hmm. it's usually the shape, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, and then they'll stuff it with just very simply maybe olives and anchovies and olive oil, like poverty food, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, just like a lot of Italian American food, they get here, they have money, they can afford meat now. And so they, you know, abundanza, they go overboard. Yeah. And a muffalette is exactly that. So it's an olive tapenade, giardinara. Um, it's it's usually like three kinds of meats. I'm using um uh, I'm I'm working with Framani and they're sponsoring. Nice. They're great. Oh, great, right on! Great, yeah, great yeah. sponsor, and they are doing. Uh, they're sending us uh, the salami rosa, which is awesome, and uh, spicy capicola, and um, the mortadella. And so you know that's it, your combo. Mm. Yeah, and it's like it's like so good. Two parts mortadella to one part uh, capicola and salami rosa, and mm. then I do some pickled onions. I do Parmigiano Reggiano, and I do. A little vinegar, a little black pepper, and then some pistachio powder on there, and you know, fun to have that. So this is just like for fun. It's like a little bit of a holiday pop up. I I do it just so I can have one slice of it, you know. <laughs> and um, I just I love doing it. And I have these pans, these round twelve inch round pans, and it's my in my book pizzas are. There's the Sicilian grandma recipe, and it's great for Sicilian pizza. It's great for Detroit, but it also just makes a great focaccia. And so you throw sesame seeds on that, bake it. I fresh bake. The bread, it's all naturally leavened, mm. and I use really good flour. And How you know, many loaves are you baking for I, this? Like 30. I'll hand mix oh. a batch of like, you know, wow. 20 kilos. Where do you bake out of? Do you have like a, some in commissary or something? Well, that's the cool thing about these pop-ups is I can do it anywhere. Like I, just a convection oven. Yeah. I can use – I do like a – I can use a Breville toaster oven, mm. you know? Like it just – because it bakes at like 475 low temperature, you know? And so it's my, I'm doing it at my friend's uh, restaurant club club yep. in McCarran Park. And he has just like a convection oven and then a meat slicer. That's all I need to do the muffaletta pop up. And I'm so going to make some fresh mozzarella and layer that in there. I hope to make it to one. Yeah, sure. All right, Anthony. On this is Taste, we ask guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid fire, fast and furious taste check. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm, re I'm ready. Let's do this. The best breakfast food. All right, it's gonna be it's gonna have to be two. Um, one breakfast taco, and uh, if I'm in Austin, I'm going to Veracruz All Natural for sure, and I'm getting uh, Migas Poblano. 
stand. Love it. The number two, I have to do a global shout out here. That's the home breakfast. Yeah. Uh, I was blown away by the breakfast culture in Taipei. And they do something called Dambing, which is like a scallion pancake and then with an egg inside. Yeah. And there was this one place I went to and it was like – and they have like hot sauce. And it was basically like a Taiwanese breakfast taco. It was awesome. Sounds amazing. And but then you get fresh, warm soy milk with it. Oh, yeah. That's the key. Oh, I so, love fresh soy milk. The best dessert? Uh, Afogato. Favorite American fast food chain? Uh, how many locations? can? Uh, let's say over 10. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up very, very hippie. We would, would not really yeah. do fast food, so I guess I have to go with In-N-Out. Fair. No Burger King crown in your in your past? I ate there once, and yeah. I was a bit horrified. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Okay, your favorite American fast food pizza chain? Okay, you're going to love this one, Jets. Oh, sick. I love it. It's a good call. <laughs> it's It really is my favorite. It, I mean, it's also Buddies like Jets, the yeah. closest thing you can get to like old school pan Pizza Hut pan pizza, because Pizza Hut is atrocious now. It's really, really bad now. And I, I was a Book It fan, obviously a big reader, work at Penguin House, and I got like a bunch of free pan pizzas. Back in the 80s, that shit was good. Yeah, well, I have a whole chapter in Pizzas Are about the – and I have I reverse engineer the old school recipe called the Buttercrust Pan Pizza. Oh, my God. That's right. That's back from like the 90s. Yeah, dude. Man. It, it's a time machine. The Land Before Time promo. Do you remember yes, that? dude. Land Before Time. Little puppets they used to I had out. the little guys Those, of – uh, God, I love those puppets. I had like three of them. That's how much Pizza Hut I ate at. Oh, man. Let me ask you, fuck. Are you for <laughs> hire to like rethink Pizza Hut? Uh, they actually reached out to me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. They reached Pizza Hut. Someone from reach, Pizza Hut reached out to me and I sent them my rates and I didn't hear back from them. So <laughs> like I need you like it's the, the the biggest companies tend to be the cheapest. So. 100. Um, they don't because they don't they don't need you. Right? They they kind of I feel like they understand because they they revamped the look to make it look like old Pizza Hut. They did, but I don't think they have the intestinal fortitude to actually change their like recipes back to the uh, like real ingredients. Oh, you know? do you remember the Bigfoot pizza at Pizza Hut? I did. I never. That was that was about when I started checking out. You know, yeah, they had, a, <laughs> they had a different cheese. Listeners like right in. They had a different cheese. It was really good. That wasn't Little Caesars. What was no, it? their no. big one. I mean, that was that was the one I grew up eating. Okay, the Bigfoot, Michigan. No, Bigfoot was uh, definitely a Pizza Hut pizza. Okay, but it was like it was oblong. It looked kind of like a like a Roman style like shape, and but they had a different cheese. And the Wikipedia, I can't remember, has like information about this one about the types of cheese they were using. They were using a very different, anyways. That, that's the the innovative uh, American pizza mind that the European can't comprehend. It's but like this business <laughs> is so big here. Look at the Super Bowl ads. There's still lots of pizza on Super Bowl ads. Yeah, there's logistical issues. Um, you know what's interesting is I did a project in Guyana, uh, Georgetown, Guyana, and um, it was a very high-end Neapolitan restaurant with pasta, and it's great. It yeah. really, what's it called? It's called Amici. Cool. Um, really great clients, but they operated – and they still operate the Pizza Hut franchise there. And because there's no way to do the cold chain, so they can't send the frozen stuff, they do it the old school way where they make all the dough fresh in-house. Mm. And it was kind of like kind of banging. Like to the letter yeah. the way that the Pizza Hut corporate wants it, but they don't have to make it all in like Sioux Falls and ship it, you know, to Yeah, ex and they were making it like they had to fall back on the old uh, SOPs. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I was, it was, I was digging it. I love that. I, 
right about so that. So if you're in if you're in Georgetown, get yeah, sick. <laughs> All right, a couple more. Um, your favorite thing to drink with pizza. I mean, I think like the first thing that comes to my mind is an ice cold Coca Cola in a glass bottle. And I think like if you go to Naples, that's like the traditional pairing mm-hmm. is a Coca Cola. Um, but uh, you know, if I'm gonna get fancy, it's gonna be like a, a, a like a natural risotto. Like yeah, you know. It's nice. Yeah. Having a light rosé. Yeah. Yeah. Something nice little rosé, something, some with some acidity to hold up and to like go against the fat of the, all the pizza. Do you believe in Lambrusco with pizza? That's more of, uh, push back. We wrote an article about that. I'd love to hear your take. Like, that's like 20, 2008 Roberta's. It's like, <laughs> what pizza, you know, like, what should we pair with this? Oh, Lambrusco. Um, you know, it's a little, I think it's a. Yeah, it's a dated trope. It's, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's, so, it's, it makes sense. Isn't beer bad with pizza? I never got into beer and pizza. I never got it either. I never got it. I felt the the bitterness actually is what the biggest problem with carbonation. Fine, you know we love Coke with pizza, but the bitterness just like blow your palate out. Also, just like the bloatedness, you Truths. know, like just like it's like beer and ramen. Like it seems like a good idea, mm. and then you're dying once the noodles yeah. start to expand. It's a bit bit much. Last one, your favorite sandwich? I mean. I I've got to go Mufaletta, right? Well, we covered that. Okay. Covered, all right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I mean, uh, then it's going to be just Mortazza. Yeah. Just, a, you know, like a nice pizza Bianca with this just mortadella and literally nothing else. That's it. Anthony Falco, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining this the, taste. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you for having me. This is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening. 